So I'm taking a page out of Jeff's book today and I'm drinking mango milk. I oh. have wine. It's poured right next to me. I just got to finish my How mango is milk this mango milk? It's like banana milk, but mango milk. Yeah, it's mango milk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to Bottomless Broadway where we talk musicals over mimosas. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Um, hold on. What do I usually say? Today, we're going to talk about our first TV show musical. I'm Cindy, and I'm here with my co-host, Christine. Yay! <laughs> we, did, we did it. I, forgot, I was like, do I introduce you first, or do I tell people it, what we're... It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm so excited. I love this show. Available, but now ended. You know, in my rewatch... It's a lot better than I remembered. Like, I'm sure I liked it when I watched it, but then I just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very good. Yeah, I I rewatched it and I think it holds up pretty well because season there's four seasons and season one really like gets you to love the characters enough that like the later seasons, even when they get into like weird shenanigans, you're like, all right, cool. I'm here for the ride. That's fine. Yeah. And it's just like a really unique tv show like there's a lot of like woke tv shows this one's like still unique also for this episode we will only be talking about season one if you haven't watched the show before then we will be talking about some minor plot points that happen throughout the season but nothing that would be considered a spoiler and then near the end we will have a spoiler section and we'll let you know when that starts so just keep an ear out for that if you don't want to be spoiled. Did you rewatch it recently or no? I rewatched it in like September, October maybe? In the fall. Oh, that's pretty So soon. it's like fairly recent, recent, but not like yesterday recent. Mm-hmm. I thought about like, because you know how you gave me her book? I was like, oh, maybe I'll read this over break. And then I didn't. But I'm also considering getting the audiobook because apparently one chapter is like a musical she wrote or something. And in the audiobook, she just sings the whole thing. So Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is about this girl named Rebecca Bunch. She's this like New York City corporate robot lawyer who is also Jewish and hates her mom and just basically has nothing going for her life except her great but painful job in New York. And then she runs into her camp boyfriend from middle school, who's also in New York, but he's leaving New York. He like tried to do the New York thing. He didn't do the New York thing because he's fucking stupid. And um, (laughs) he's like, I'm moving back to West Covina, my home. It's in California. It's three hours from the beach. It's beautiful. It's sunny. I'm happy there. This place brings me joy. And then Rebecca went home and she was like, I want sunshine. I want joy. I want to date Josh again, this guy, because he's perfect and he's going to make everything in my life okay again. So she quits her job, books a flight to West Covina, which is basically like the armpit of Los Angeles. Yeah, she flies over. She gets a job at a law firm, which is like kind of a jump, I guess, compared to New York law firms. And she makes friends with paralegal there and her boss and she looks for her community while trying to bag Josh. Chan. Yeah. I don't really know if we need this. You can probably just play the intro music. Everyone will know what's going on. I was working hard at a New York job, making go, but it made me blue. One day I was crying a lot, and so I decided to move to West Covina, California. Brand new pals and new career. It happens to be where Josh lives, but that's not why I'm here. 
She basically Marie Kondo's all of New York. She's like, New York does not bring me joy anymore. I'm going to get rid of that shit and I'm going to West Covina. And yeah, and then later she does it with her bank account. <laughs> I think it's actually really funny how sort of self-aware this show is because when she does move to New York and that's like the first musical number is called West Covina because she's like it's like her I want song and she's like in West Covina and they like purposely choose shots of like very boring shots of West Covina but then you just see like Rachel Bloom in her like pretty blue dress in the middle of it looking so excited about being in West Covina that you're just like okay also, Rachel Bloom, she's like the Lin Manuel Miranda of the show. Like she stars in it, she writes it, she like had the original idea for it, she writes all the songs, or at least is a co-writer on all the songs. Her other co-writers being Jack Dolgen and Adam Slashinger, who we recently lost to COVID last year. Um, which is really sad to hear about, but I'm glad we're able to still appreciate and enjoy the songs that he wrote, like Was Covina. Her subtle dress change from like the like the corporate blue dress to the floofy blue dress. Very subtle. Yeah. But no, her I actually her outfits are such like a good example in this show because like so Rachel Bloom, like I think she's really pretty, but she's like not super skinny like a lot of TV show stars that we see. Um, but then like when her character is supposed to be like dressed up and sexy like they're not fooling around like i feel like she yeah. has a lot of outfits where she looks like fucking stunning in and she looks great but then like also when she's depressed and she's at the grocery store with like sweatpants and a hoodie on like they make fun of her for looking homeless but like man she looks homeless like she looks so homeless when she's supposed to look beautiful they make her look so beautiful when she's supposed to look like sad and stuffing herself with junk food and fat like they also nail that really well. And it's just really cool because I feel like that's totally accurate. Yeah. Like, I feel like most people are go through that spectrum. Like, you see her her in her Spanx in the first episode. Um, the second song in the first episode is called the Sexy Getting Ready song, which is just hilarious in conception because she's, like, trying to go to a party where she thinks that Josh Chan is going to be and she's like, okay, I have to look really hot. And it just like this whole song about like how she's like waxing and like plucking her eyebrows and like trying to fit herself into Spanx. The actual action happening on screen is like not sexy at all. But it's like she's trying to be sexy. It's like this very good in between of like what the actual getting ready process looks like versus like what you think it looks like. That's true. You know how in Partition, Beyonce says, they're clearly going to like a huge event. Uh, that's what we assume, right? And then cause mm-hmm. she says it took 45 minutes to get all dressed up, which first of all, it takes me like three hours if I'm truly getting dressed up. <laughs> but like you imagine like Beyonce in 45 minutes, she's just perfect. Like she slips into her heels. She doesn't even have to like use her hands. Like everything's fine. Everything's beautiful. <laughs> and that's like my image of how hot girls get ready. And then this is her getting ready. 
And then they also have like a cut to the guys getting ready, which is just hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do nothing. It's the sexy getting ready sound. The sexy getting ready sound. It's the sexy getting ready sound. Body rolls are really hard. It's the sexy getting ready sound. The sexy getting ready sound. I'm gonna whisper your dick hard. Whisper your dick hard. The sexy getting ready sound. So we should talk about greg who is played by santino fontana i fell in love with him in the first episode i love greg so basically like rebecca goes to a bar um and greg is the bartender there but greg also happens to be josh chan's one of his best friends they went to high school together and so rebecca's trying to get into this party um at beans's house who's like another one of josh's friends because she wants to go there and stalk him and then greg doesn't know that backstory and he's like well i'm going to the party you want to come with me and then she's basically like ignoring him because she's thinking about josh and he's just like i love women that ignore me and he does this weird little like eye roll and <laughs> that's when i fell in love with santino Fontana. i was like yes. he's so good in the role <laughs> and no one um, notices paula's the only person who's like greg is so hot and i feel like everyone watching this is like yeah paula <laughs> Greg is so hot. Why doesn't anyone else in this show see this? Whenever I try to get people to watch the show, to like try to give them like an idea of what the show is, I always show them the song Settle for Me, which is the song that Greg sings to Rebecca when he's trying to like ask her out. And it's basically this sort of like the music video is like black and white. He's in a tux. She like gets this dress, like flowy dress, and they do like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers sort of dance number kind of thing. But he's like, "Oh, settle for me. I'll be your Plan B." Like you know, it's it's okay. I know I'm not your first pick, but please go out with me. Settle for me, darling. Just settle for me. I think you'll have to agree We make quite a pair I know I'm only second place in this game But like 2% milk or seitan beef I almost taste the same So won't you settle for me Come on and settle for me Say yes or no before I choke on all this swallowed pride I have no problem being picked out from the bottom If he's your broken condom, I'm plan B So lower those expectations and settle for me I will say though, so like it's pretty obvious from the get-go that this is kind of a love triangle-ish situation between um, Greg, Josh, and Rebecca but what I think the show does really well, especially in season one, is that even though it seems like Greg is a much better match for Rebecca off the bat, as she interacts more with Josh, you can kind of see how they would also be good for each other um, Like later on in the season two, and they are able to sort of be there for each other and stuff. And I mean, like, Greg and Rebecca also fit together in a different way. And so I like that they didn't just, like, pretend that there was nothing in there for josh and rebecca yeah well this is a good time to like introduce some of the side characters i guess so yeah so paula's her like new best friend west covina but in episode one um she basically has nothing going for her life like she's a paralegal she doesn't like her husband that much and basically like rebecca comes and she's like this is weird this is like a Harvard grad working in New York who is coming to West Covina to work in my law firm. 
So she like pulls out some crazy stalker capabilities and <laughs> is like, Rebecca, you came here to stalk Josh Chan and then and threatens to expose her and all this stuff happens. But basically like she ends up getting even more invested than Rebecca into getting her to get with Josh. And then there's Daryl who is her boss, Daryl Whitefeather, who owns the law firm. And he also doesn't really have a life. It's pretty much assumed that like no one at her job has a life. I think the last side character that's important is Valencia, who plot twist is Josh's current girlfriend. And she's who's super, super hot. hot. She's this super hot yoga teacher. She's like just beautiful and toned and just like way too hot for Josh, to be honest. And, <laughs> and Rebecca sees her and she's like, well, fuck. But then her immediate instinct which is exactly what i would do is to befriend valencia (laughs) but like speaking of how none of the side characters kind of have lives before rebecca because i think one of the big things with this show especially in season one is it's kind of like trying to sort of break down tropes and like of course one trope is the crazy ex-girlfriend so now because you're seeing it through the crazy ex-girlfriend's eyes it's kind of like um okay well like you know she doesn't feel creepy because you see everything from through her eyes and you see how much she's struggling but later they bring in this concept of the crazy ex-boyfriend and that's like super creepy so you but he's like basically doing the same exact thing that rebecca's doing so you kind of see the dichotomy of that but then the other kind of trope that they sort of i think tried to tackle is the manic pixie dream girl because if it were like anyone else's story, Rebecca would be the manic pixie dream girl because she's like, oh, like, I'm just going to hop into this town and show up out of nowhere and all of a sudden change everybody's lives. How she sort of integrates herself into this sort of society of West Covina. That's true. She is very manic and she has a pixie haircut. Yeah, I've always thought about that. I guess like that's what I don't know. So Basically, I was like, obviously, I don't want to be a crazy ex-girlfriend and move to a town for a guy and stalk him. But like, I wish I was capable of just like picking my life up overnight and moving it across the country. And I had like no concerns about like the things or the people and the friends and the job and everything that I was leaving behind. And I had like no like financial concerns about just picking up and moving across the country. And I was like, that sounds great. But I guess that's just, yeah. It's the trope. I do think that the show, like, figures out where to slot songs really well. And, like, I mean, I think Rachel Bloom has said that they normally write the episode first and then they write the songs, which would make sense. But they always do a really good job of, like, finding the sort of right genre to spoof and also finding, like, a message to send with each song. Because I don't think there are really any songs that are, like, just for fun. Um, they all kind of have like an extra sort of edge to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I do like Sex with a Stranger a lot. I think <laughs> about that a lot too. <laughs> all her like sex songs. Um, yeah. So Sex with a Stranger and also the the. I think. Oh I my like god! You. I think I like you. And then I think like soon in the second season, there's the. We should definitely, we should definitely not, have, not have sex. They right have now. kind of the same cadence going on. 
oh my god i think i like you is a little different because it's very like sort of bubblegum pop almost but a little like more tinkly if that makes sense <laughs> and the whole but, the whole yeah. time that the song goes by they're just having like really dramatic sex it's like not even sweet sex <laughs> it's like very like sex in her kitchen kind of thing like on her kitchen floor and <laughs> all that yeah it, it truly amazes me the places she has sex i mean there's a song also next season where they break it down which we can't talk about it now but they're they break down all the places <laughs> that she's had sex and i'm like wow that's very impressive yeah also what's really funny because so this did air on the cw which is network television so they would have like i think they were just like bffs with like a standards and practices person who would like tell them yes you can show that on television no you can't show that on television because i think they just had to like have them on site while they were shooting it and be like no you should like change that angle so you don't see a butt crack or something like that (laughs) hey sexy stranger come back to my place and i hope you're not a murderer Kiss me, baby, all over the place. And please don't be a murderer. Please don't be a murderer. Please, please, please don't be a murderer. I'm sorry, I stopped talking about the murderer thing. Let me get back to playing with your thing. You got a beautiful ass, strong ass arms. Is that a gun? Oh, thank God, it's just your penis. Have you been tested for STD? STD. Tell me, please. STD. Season one always feels like it takes forever for me compared to other seasons. And I don't know why, but there are definitely like there's this whole separate sort of like mini arc about them against the water department, which I always forget is in season one because it just seems like so different from everything else that happens in season one. And um, so, yeah, so season one seems super long. But one of the songs that like kicks off that arc is Cold Showers, which is a spoof on Music Man, because basically she's like trying to get people to like rally behind her. And she's like, yeah, you guys keep getting cold showers. You should complain because through this whole series of events, cold showers mean your kids will start doing crack. And it's just so ridiculous. I was obsessed with that song when I first heard it. Oh, okay. Wait. Speaking of side characters, um, there's like a couple. Okay, so there's a couple more. There's her neighbor friend, Heather. Oh yeah, who Heather. is in her eighth year of college. I think she's studying psychology. <laughs> and at first, she basically treats Rebecca like a project because Rebecca is clearly like psychologically in need of help. And um, and Heather's like, "Wow, you're really interesting. If I could just observe you, I would get an A." And then there's her mom. Rebecca's mom. She doesn't play a big role, but like basically her like childhood life and everything does play a big role. So like Rebecca has she's she's Jewish. Her mom had like these high expectations with her of her and she was always pitted against like this other girl called Audra. They were like the number one and two of their class. Her mom isn't on screen a lot, but it comes back a lot. And I mean, her first song, Where's the Bathroom, is actually great. It's so good. It's like you don't even see her like she doesn't have lines before the song. It's just like Rebecca's like, oh, my mom's coming. And she like opens the door. And then all of a sudden her mom is just like immediately singing. Where's the bathroom? Yeah, she's like yelling. She's mad. She's like, what do you have against vases? Why don't you have decorative rocks in your bathroom? How is this a bathroom if you don't have decorative rocks? Yeah. And then 
And the whole time she's like, where's the fucking bathroom? And then Rebecca's like, it's upstairs. And then she's like, wow, you don't even have a downstairs bathroom. You fucking also, can we talk about <laughs> how weird her floor plan is? Because yeah. I was talking about this with my architecture friend and she was like, this makes no sense. So like she has a two story apartment. But, like, the upstairs must be a loft or something because her bedroom and her only bathroom of the whole apartment is upstairs. And, like, her downstairs is basically just a kitchen and a living room and, like, I guess a few closets or something. We once tried to count all the doors in her downstairs apartment because you, like, don't really see her upstairs at all, which I know is because, like, they don't have a fully fleshed out apartment. But, like, still, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's not even a small apartment. There's definitely at least two bedrooms because her she puts her mom in the guest room. So it's not like oh, some right. weird yeah. situation. It's not like a weird tiny little apartment and there's only one bathroom. Like her bathroom is just upstairs and it makes no sense. And like it's West Covina. Real estate's not that expensive. You don't have to like <laughs> flex a room like you do here and go into your roommate's room to pee like it can't be like that. I don't understand either. But the best part of this song is when her mom finally goes to the bathroom and then like the music stops and then Rebecca like collapses on her couch and she's like, finally, what a stressful like greeting. And then her, you hear the toilet fresh flush and like the sinister <laughs> music just starts again. It's just great because like the music sounds so sinister and she's just like, oh, fuck. And then her mom like pops back up from the top of the stairs and she's like, what the fuck is wrong with your bathroom? <laughs> Where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? I need to use the bathroom. Tell me that you have a bathroom in this hovel you call home. I don't know which was bumpy or the plane ride or the taxi. All these freeways are a nightmare. Where's my purse? I need my cone. By the way, you're looking healthy. And by healthy, I mean chunky. I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just stating it as fact. I see your eczema is back. Are you using the lotion that I sent you? If you're not gonna use it, I'll return it to the store. God, I give you everything, and still you just want more, 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 more. I, I want to just take a sec to appreciate all the, like, Broadway people that they brought into this show. Because um, Tova Feldshaw, who plays her mom, is, like, a, a, a Broadway actress who's been in like a bunch of stuff she had a 54 show last year for like a few Mm. um days and stuff gabrielle ruiz who plays valencia is also a broadway alum she like i think was recommended personally by lin-manuel miranda because he was she was in in the heights as um vanessa um as a i think she was an understudy but she might have done it full-time and then like donna lynn champlin is also a broadway person she was in the sweeney todd with patty lapone where they like all played their own instruments and um some other stuff that i can't remember right now because i've had two glasses of wine <laughs> she also apparently once won like the world tap dancing championships oh my god so like that's a thing um and then like Vincent Rodriguez III, who plays Josh Chan, I was actually shocked to find I saw on tour once in Anything Goes when I was like looking through my old playbills. And I was like, wow, I've seen him live. <laughs> and of course, we have like Santino Fontana, who, um, for those who don't know, was Prince Hans in Frozen and also won a Tony for Tootsie recently. But yeah. Yep. Also, okay. So they like picked a good group. Yeah. I don't know who Heather is, but. Mm-hmm. She has almost no singing parts in 
in season one. I think she has three lines in the Settle For Me reprise. And mm. her voice sucked. Like, it was truly not great. Like, she, I think they had to lower the octave of one note for her that, like, Santino could hit. But she improved so hard in the later season. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I didn't know people yeah. could improve their voices that intensely. Like, She's exponentially mm-hmm. better. Like when you hear her in season three, you're like, wow, this girl's an amazing singer. <laughs> like generalize about men. Yeah. And then also the 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 bathroom song, the other, the Hell other yeah. bathroom song. Yeah, stuck in the bathroom. <laughs> Not the mom bathroom, yeah. the other bathroom. So it's um Vela Lavelle. I think she was she like had went to Juilliard, and I think like her and also um Pete Gardner, who plays Daryl, were both like sort of have gone on record to say they were like pretty uncomfortable with singing. And like apparently um Daryl was like super nervous about his song, I Love My Daryl has which a is lot of songs. Song. Or like yeah. yeah. One of Josh Chan's other friends is this other guy named Josh who kind of looks like Josh Chan, so they call him White Josh. And um he's played by David Hole, who's also a Broadway alum. You can see him in the How to Succeed revival in the Tony's performance in the ensemble. He's just like a classic Broadway chorus boy. I and he's really hot. I wonder so hard about White Josh because like it's great that like all his high school friends love hanging out with him. But I feel so <laughs> bad for him because like, okay, there's like a scene where they Rebecca goes crazy. It's actually really funny because Rebecca goes to the beach with Josh Valencia, White Josh, and Greg. And um, Daryl, who just went through the divorce, he's like, I want to go to the beach. Take me to the beach. I'll get you guys a party bus. And then Rebecca's like, you know, Daryl, you really don't have to try that hard to get people to like you. And then she goes and rents the party bus and doesn't invite Daryl. <laughs> um, but basically, like, so Josh Chan is obviously with Valencia. And then, um, so, like, Rebecca is, like, low-key alone. And she looks around the bus. And the only person sitting alone is White Josh, who's perfectly happy with himself. He's just sitting in the corner of this party bus while Josh and Valencia are literally, like, hardcore dry humping. And he's just sitting <laughs> in the corner of this bus with the beer, like, perfectly happy with himself. And I'm just like, why does he hang out with these people? Like, isn't that just so sad and boring i i also like feel so hard for her because she's like who who can i talk to and she's like oh white josh you know what joey does okay so my dog he this is he will like go to the dog parks and dog runs and he'll play with other dogs but then like sometimes a dog will ignore him and most of the time like that dog's probably bigger than him and like maybe that dog like needs to shit so the dog's like sniffing around the dog run finding a good place to shit and Joey does not need to shit, but he doesn't want to look like he just got abandoned. So he's like, well, that dog is ignoring me and sniffing around. So I'm going to go to the other corner and sniff there and pretend like that's what I wanted to do all alone. I wanted to sniff at this corner. I'm not being left behind. And then he'll just like, he'll sniff and then he'll like walk over to that other dog once in a while and kind of check like, hey, you done? No? Okay, no big deal. And then he goes back to his corner and sniffs until that other dog finally shits and they start playing again. And it's so funny to watch because it's exactly what I did. <laughs> wow i like daryl's songs um, too um he has two yeah. main songs His, well, in this just two right mm-hmm. yeah I think he so. has i love my daughter but not in a creepy way where he talks about how much he wants custody of his daughter and he's like we go on father-daughter dates and rebecca's like you have issues 
it, and it's like a country song and how like you know country songs are very weird about their daughters and i think they have like horses running through and <laughs> yeah, it's such a like it's like a very karaoke music video like you could totally repurpose this music video for karaoke and it would fit in perfectly with all the other dumb karaoke videos. It is, because it's like slow and easy to follow. It's like fairly catchy. Um, and then his other song is I'm Getting By. It took me so long to realize that that was a pun. I did not catch up on that. Like, I did not catch on on <laughs> it was. It's really sad. I didn't realize that was a pun. Daddy's little girl Princess of my world, I never knew a beauty like this before. So clever and cute, an angel with an attitude. I want her all mine all of the time. I know songs like this can come off weird. But there's nothing weird about helping daddy trim his beard. Dads do that. Cause I love my daughter, but not in a creepy way. No, I realize father daughter love comes off that way. I just love my daughter, but again, not in a creepy way. So these are spoilers for the end of season one. We probably won't be talking about spoilers for further seasons. Yep. So if you're new to this show, you can come back and listen to this once you finish season one. It'll be fine. Um otherwise unless you want to be spoiled you can wait but um yeah to talk about getting by i actually thought that was like a great plot line because it's just like white josh is so assured of himself he's like yeah i'll hit on this dude who's like clearly older than me and you know whatever but he's also like white josh is such a weird character because he's like super obsessed with working out but then he also cares a lot about like coasters and stuff and so like him and daryl getting together is actually really cute and like comes out of nowhere but you're like you know what i'm okay with that and like that moment when um daryl like just doesn't know how to date men so he like freaks out and takes white josh to this like super fancy restaurant where he has to like rent a jacket basically (laughs) so since we're talking spoilers i just kind of want to skip to the end and the last episode where um rebecca goes with greg to josh's sister's wedding And this was, like, such a frustrating episode because, like, Greg and Rebecca just move in, like, opposite directions. Like, originally, you know, like, Rebecca wasn't super into Greg, but Greg was super into her. And now he's like, oh, shit, maybe this is, like, too easy. Like, I should play hard to get and stuff. And Rebecca's just like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you like me anymore? And it's so sad. I was so frustrated. Yeah, it's extremely infuriating because she goes through this, like, whole like character development of like okay like i'm gonna make healthy choices i'm going to be with greg because he actually likes me and we make a good couple and we're like intellectually at the same level and josh doesn't even like me and she like really like pumps herself up to this stage and she's like at this wedding i'm going to ask him to be my boyfriend and then he is like, well, this girl really likes Josh and like, what the fuck am I even doing with my life? So he goes to this wedding and he just starts like pounding shots. And he also goes in like jeans and sneakers. Yeah. And Rebecca is in like a floor length gown. She's possibly the most dressed up person there. She's like wearing crystals <laughs> everywhere. Um, and he's like, wow, you look so beautiful. But he 
isn't even like self-aware enough to like be concerned about his own genes and then he's just yeah he pounds shots and then he gets completely drunk and then white josh has to take him home to throw up yeah and it's so sad he could have made it's it like you were so close <laughs> But also, I think it's like kind of a good plot development because the whole time Rebecca is singing this like song from this like it it like would be a Disney movie if they had rights to Disney movies, but it's one indescribable instant, which is actually sung by Leia Salonga in the show. And Rebecca's like obsessed with this song, and she's like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be the night with Greg." But it's also like kind of nice that it's like okay, things don't resolve perfectly like they do in like disney shows and stuff so i guess that's like what they were going for but it's like oh my god they were so close (laughs) what the fuck it's great because like this show or like season one of this show isn't like your standard rom-com of like girl likes hot guy but then ends up falling in love with her best friend who's less hot it's Mm -hmm. which is like a super common like rom-com plot um and it's not it's not what happens and it's not supposed to what happens. I think it works really well for this show. But like, yeah, it's it's great because so like inside the world of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, this one indescribable instant is like a real song that's from like a real princess movie from her childhood. So like Rebecca already knows this song before Leia Songa sings it. And Leia Songa is like Josh Chan's aunt or something like that. And he's singing at his sister's Mm -hmm. birthday anyways so like all day she's like humming this song to herself she feels like cinderella she's like this is my princess song i'm singing this to get myself in the mood to ask out greg and start my life with him and then they get to this wedding and leia fucking salonga is actually singing this song that's supposed to be her princess song and then greg just collapses drunk part where like valencia breaks up with josh which i also think is a really interesting moment because valencia is basically like i we've been together for like what like 10 years or something and like josh has shown basically no initiative to like proposing to her or like just like it took them essentially the 10 years to like move together and valencia is like you know what i just need to be with someone who actually wants to like you know pursue a relationship with me and not just someone who is emotionally seven years old and i thought that was like a really awesome moment for valencia even though like in this moment in the show we don't necessarily like her that much because she's still like the other girl that's like competing with rebecca but it's very obvious that like she has depth and a reason for why she's breaking up with josh and then like 
Rebecca getting together with Josh right after that is like obviously a bad move. Okay, so about Valencia, I have several thoughts. Um, so at this point in the show, I actually do kind of like her because shortly before this wedding, she like kind of became friends with Rebecca. And one thing that I that like this show just does really well is like I know a lot of shows are like female friendship is so important and like there's even like quotas for female friendships and judging movies and stuff like that like <laughs> but crazy ex-girlfriend it just does it so well like every time rebecca is in a scene with heather or in a scene with paula or in a scene with valencia where they're friends like i love watching those scenes like i hated valencia until the end of season one but then there's like a couple of scenes where she and Rebecca bond because they're both bridesmaids at Josh's sister's wedding and and Rebecca's making like self-deprecating jokes about yeah that's true um yeah so it's like almost a little weird when you're like do I still want Rebecca to get with Josh because like she wants that I mean like okay no um I wanted Rebecca to get with Greg but like she wanted Josh so much so it's like am I supposed to like Valencia or like, am I supposed to be like, yes, she broke up with Josh and now Josh can go be with Rebecca. But it's like, they make it very obvious that like Valencia has a valid reason for breaking up with Josh and Josh is like not ready for a real relationship. And And neither is Rebecca. Yeah. And neither is Rebecca, but like neither of them can see that. And they're just like very much like, you know, who likes me? Other thing about Valencia is like, I have, a lot of trouble trying to figure out her real character because so her first song in the show I think is I'm so good at yoga which isn't technically her like it's it's her song she sings it but it's she's a yoga instructor and Rebecca goes to her class and while Valencia is like instructing doing her job um, and Rebecca's like struggling to do the yoga she like has a fever dream of Valencia like dressing up as medusa basically (laughs) and just like going snake crazy and being like i'm so good at yoga i'm so hot like everything about my life is perfect my sex life is amazing (laughs) she's very sinister in this song but it's really rebecca's fever dream right yeah but then Mm -hmm. later she sings another bitch ass song but it's actually her um the Women Gotta Stick Together song, which sounds so positive, but she hates everyone. The puns <laughs> in are incredible. So we can climb every mountain if the rope can support Haley's weight. Oh, a change is coming faster than Ashley drops to her knees. And she's just like walking down the street of West Covina with probably every single woman in this town because it's tiny. <laughs> and she knows everyone because she's the hottest girl in the town. And she's just like, women got to stick together. We're going to do all this stuff. And then she's also like dissing people on the side. And she's a terrible person in this song. And I, I, I sent you that one video where um, in the Radio City live concert, they like bring in, bring on Lin-Manuel Miranda. And she's like, yeah, come sing this song with me. And he's like, um he just like follows her around and she starts singing the song and he's just like apologizing to every person that she points to (laughs) when she like says the lyrics and he's like i'm so sorry that's so mean like why would you say that (laughs) wait this reminds me of this really stupid youtube video um there's this he's actually an actor i forget his name though but he has a youtube channel where he like does stuff on the street and there's one 
video where he drags around Paul Rudd around Times Square and he just stops at every single woman on the street and he's like, ma'am, ma'am, for a dollar, would you sleep with Paul Rudd? And then everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, like everyone has a crush on Paul Rudd. But then um, like he is like true and he's actually giving everyone a dollar and he's moving at the speed of light. Like he's just like, ma'am, ma'am, will you sleep with Paul Rudd for a dollar? And they're like, yeah, he hands on the dollar, moves on to the next woman. Like it's Times Square. There's a lot of women. No time to waste. <laughs> he's like he's going so fast and paul rudd is like trying to meet his fans and then he's like hi i'm so sorry i gotta go and then there's like this one part where this girl is like wait can i have a hug and then the youtube host is like no sex only and, and paul rudd is like, <laughs> like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and he like stays behind to give the girl a hug and then this guy this host like turns back around he's like what are you doing oh man i'm gonna have to look that up <laughs> Women have the power, the power to make a change. Like this girl should pluck her eyebrows, and those jeans should be exchanged. You really need to size up. Some girls are born tall and thin, and some are short and fat. This girl smells like sausages, but there's nothing wrong with that. Women gotta stick to all across this land except any smart teenage that bitch i cannot stand oh hey denise hey girl to go back to like sort of the ending of the show i think after everything i've done for you that you didn't ask for is probably one of the best parodies that this does because it's a parody of rose's turn but paula sings it and also it's such a like mom song because like you know paula sees herself as like rebecca's mom it's it's just so relatable in terms of like what your parents do for you but then complain about but then you're like well i didn't want you to do that but then like the the list of things that paula does is like kind of truly appalling and it's like, wow, Paula really went hard on this because she has no other life. Yeah, like she so. is a criminal. Like, yeah, <laughs> she she said she she like tracks Josh's parents. She has like a tracker on his mom's car, and he bribed Valencia's yoga studio boss so that he- I love the line where she's like, "Yeah, I make yoga schedules." <laughs> There's one last song that i absolutely have to talk about in season one which is the reason why i introduced rebecca's mom and her nemesis audra levine anyway um i'm such a big fan of jap battle jap battle has such good it is like the greatest rap battle of all time (laughs) they like basically brought on a different guy to write the lyrics for jap battle because they're like we don't know how to write rap but basically, like, Audra followed the life that Rebecca's mom wants her to follow. Like, she stayed in her amazing job and she's engaged to uh, another, like, rich, successful Jewish hedge fund manager guy. They have a Jap battle, which is not racist. It stands for Jewish American Princess because they are both really privileged. And the lyrics in here are great the one that i just really love is i put the og in 5.0 gpa i (laughs) love that one okay so like that whole first verse that they have 
is is really great and also like basically like daryl paula and josh are backup singers for rebecca and then there's like three other random people from the new york law firm that are audra's backup singers and they're also really into it and the lines they have aren't really important like they just sing like jewish american princess daughters of privilege but they look so like angry and rap battle <laughs> singing and they're like they're singing it at each other but they're making these like hip-hop hand gestures to the other side and it's just really aggressive and then so yeah so rebecca like starts off the rap battle where she was like i was all very i, I was always better than you in school um i put the og in 5.0 gpa and then Audra shoots back with speaking of which are you ap graded because these days you look a bit heavily weighted which is also a great pun and they it's funny because they like when they see each other the screen goes into like widescreen and it's just like yeah we're in a battle now i also like how um audra's like oh keeping your pie hole shut would be quite wise though you kept it wide open for the ae pie guys like basically calling her a slut and rebecca like totally owns it she's like and I banged your hedge fund manager fiance. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I had sex and I had sex with your fiance. Fuck that. They, they're they just like naming random like East Coast things. What is it? They're like, uh, I don't know. They're like, this is a Jack battle from Golden Bridge to North Castle. And it's like all these. I'm just like, what the fuck are they even talking about? And like, you know, they're in West Covino. So no one else in this office knows what they're talking about either. And they're just in their own world. And they're just like naming tri-state cities. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Also, to go back to like talking about costuming, it's great because when Audra shows up, she's like in essentially the same costume that Rebecca was in at the very beginning of the series where she hated her life and she was working at the law firm. It's like a very similar blue dress and blazer. Her hair is done in like the exact same way. It's a jack battle. A what? A Jewish American princess. Rap battle. Daughters of rivers. Bit mad flow. Too bad, yo. Look, academically, you could never catch me. You were close, but no match scholastically. No how, no way. I put the OG in 5.0 GPA. Well, speaking of which, are you AP graded? Because these days you look a bit heavily weighted. And all your book cracking don't make up for the fact that I'm strapped with that killer instinct that you lack. Sweetheart, here's what you're not understanding. I'm street smart. You mean because you minored in urban planning? Bitch, I know you. That tough act's a bluff. Shut the fuck up. I really like the last few songs of season one. Like, I think Heavy Boobs is such a bop. And it just, I keep getting that rap stuck in my head where she like talks about all the things she can fit under her boobs. (laughs) And like in one of the live shows, there's a whole Instagram video of this. She literally takes all those things and like puts them under her boobs as she's like wearing pasties. And like, she just like has them like under her boobs oh i'll also put that, <laughs> um, that it's wild i give you a uti might be my favorite song of the first season because it's just such a good showcase for santino like if it weren't for the subject matter i would be like this would be a great audition song because he like goes through probably like most of his range his vocal range and it's just so like he's so into it it's so funny it's great so set the scene is he and rebecca just had sex for like supposedly 72 hours straight it was a lot of sex 
And um, she gets a UTI and he has never heard of what a UTI is, which is like classic man. Okay. <laughs> so basically, that a lot of, Greg is like, what the fuck is a UTI? And then she's like, it's when you have a lot of sex and it's like especially common if the guy has a big penis. So he is so full of himself at this point. He's like, I am amazing. I <laughs> fucked her so hard. She has to see a doctor. I'm a fucking sex god. And he just goes into the song and he's like, sing it with me. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, it doesn't really comment on the quality of the sex. And he's like, don't ruin it for me. And this whole time he's like dancing. He has wooden spoons from her kitchen and he's banging on pots and pans. And he's so into it. And he ends the song with like a boy band, one knee on the stage pose. And then Greg kind of gets his own trend. So earlier, like we didn't really say his name because we weren't talking about spoilers, but but you mentioned how there's a crazy ex-boyfriend who's Trent. And Trent is this like guy from college who has had a crush on Rebecca for years. And he stalks her the same way that Rebecca stalks Josh Champ, basically. And because we're not seeing it through Trent's point of view, he seems really creepy. Uh, Greg kind of has his own Trent because... So, like, he keeps going for Rebecca, even though he knows Rebecca likes Josh, and he keeps getting burned. And then he meets this supermarket employee who has a crush on another supermarket employee, but that girl has a crush on a different supermarket employee. (laughs) (laughs) Supermarket drama. And Greg tells the first supermarket employee, he's like, I'm going to help you get this girl, which, to be fair, the guy that this girl's actually after is hideous, so... Like, I can see Greg's point of view. He's like, dude, you got this. But but to be fair, that's also how the audience sees Josh. They're like, Greg, you got this. Like, it's Josh that you're competing yeah. against. So anyways, so yeah. So Greg is like, you got this. Play her songs on guitar, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're trying all these things, but the girl is still into the other uglier supermarket employee. And then she comes over to Greg and she's like, oh yeah, you're his friend, right? You should tell him to stop because it's really creepy when I've made it very clear that I don't like him and he just keeps trying. That bladder information is my little gift to you. Yeah, sometimes chicks need medication after what I put them through. Come on, sing with me. No, I'm not going to do that. I gave you, I gave you a UTI. A U-T-I. Yeah, I gave you Is the reason you may die, die, die. I gave you a UTI. One night with me is pure ecstasy, cause I know just what you like. But you should know for a week or so, you won't be able to ride a bike. Also, okay, so this is like major spoil. I mean, if you haven't seen season one and you're still listening right now for any reason, like you should stop. So we mentioned at the beginning how. Like, Rebecca lands in West Covina, and it seems that no one really has a life. Like, everyone's really bored. That's why they're so obsessed with her love life. And she comes in here and, through all her drama, like, actually makes really good friends and ties everyone together, even though it's, like, probably a little toxic. She's really good friends with Paula, and she's, like, fairly good friends with Heather, and, like, Daryl likes her. Like, it's great. Like, people actually like her, and there's a scene where... Um, she thinks it's like totally hopeless with Josh and she books the flight back to New York. And on that flight, she happens to be sitting next to her therapist. And, um, 
And and she doesn't talk to her therapist. She sleeps, but then her therapist comes to her as a dream ghost. Um, but it's actually so great because she's like, none of these people care about me. They just think that I'm this Josh obsessed, crazy person. And then she's like, that's not true. And then like during this time, all of her friends in West Covina, like Josh, Greg, Paula, Daryl, they're all at her apartment. Like, where did she go? Oh my God, is she okay? We have to check if she's okay. And Paula hacks into her computer to find her plane ticket to New York, <laughs> which is of course what Paula would do. But it's just like, they all really care about her a lot. And then, and then she thinks back to like when she left New York, how like no one at her company really cared about her at all. It's interesting how much she's sort of like improved everyone's lives because like with Josh, she like helped him get his job. She sort of showed him what it was like to have someone actually care about him instead of just Valencia sort of like forcing her own opinions onto him. And Paula, you know, like, it's her escape from her boring life. But then Rebecca also helped her get get back together with her husband when she like threw a rock through her window. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very obvious sort of like stance against sort of corporatism where it's like, oh, yeah, like if you're in a super big corporation, you're just kind of a cog in a machine and no one's going to miss you as long as someone can replace you. Yeah, because, I mean, Daryl just went through a divorce, and she was his divorce lawyer, and he's kind of, like, older, but trying to get back into the crew of the young people, because he's, like, divorced and single and ready to mingle, and so, like, that's kind of why he's bonding with all of these other characters, and, like, for Greg, I mean, like, for Paula, yeah, like, she fixes her marriage, kind of, and she also, like, believes in Paula, like, I mean, like, this kind of finishes its arc in later seasons, but she thinks that Paul is really smart, and obviously she is, because she's the best stalker in the world. But, like, there's a scene where she and Daryl have to leave the office to, like, take care of his divorce issues, and Daryl is looking for, like, an actual lawyer to be in charge of the office while they're gone. And then Paul is just a paralegal, but, but Rebecca's like, just let Paula take care of it. Like, she's got it. And, like, she really does seem to believe in her friends. Like, yeah, like she she like mm-hmm. trusts that like Daryl's a good dad. She helps her there. She helps Paul with her life. She gets Josh a job. And then Greg is supposed to be a smart guy. He got into Emory, the Harvard of the South. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, so like Greg is supposed to be smart. He's supposed to go to business school, but he wasn't able to because his dad got lung cancer, I think. Right? Or something else. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And and, like, to support his dad, he became a bartender. And since then, like, you don't really – you aren't really able to, like, tell in the beginning episodes. But he's just, like, a depressed alcoholic who is coping with, like, not self-actualizing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and her – like, she believes in him. Like, she is intellectually at his level. So they're able to bond. And Greg is able to, like, connect with with someone that's smart for the first time in a long time because like his friends josh and hector like they're not they're not smart they're not smart like he doesn't have any friends that's able to like build him up like that and so he he really should go to school and make those friends but um yeah and i think like also he kind of sees like oh like this is the kind of person i could meet at a good college and she's crazy but exactly my type i don't know like it's just, like she is a really good friend and 
Yeah, like like she doesn't know jack shit about how to fix her own life, but she can fix other people's lives, which is like what kind of a good friend is, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like it totally ends up making sense that all these random people in West Covina care about her and come together when she's missing. I think season one is definitely more about Rebecca than anything and then later seasons they start to explore more about the stories about like other characters and like I think Valencia and Heather get really great arcs even Paula gets like a really good arc um so yeah stay in touch for further seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend since there's only four so we'll recap them all (laughs) we should be back in two months to talk about season two but next month we have a special surprise. So yeah, definitely follow us. We can be found on Instagram and Twitter at bottomlessbway or by email at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. And I know we've skipped a lot of things that happened. So if you want to talk about any of those, feel free to contact us at any of those platforms we just mentioned. Our episodes are coming out on the second Tuesday of every month. So you can make sure that you get those by hitting subscribe and we will be back to talk to you next time. Covina